Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Monday. It is time to kick off another week with Jeremy Birmingham, me, Austin Ward, and guess what? Bill Landis is back, baby. I'm back. Uh, almost lost my sanity, but I'm back. Um, nice relaxing vacation, Bill. Tell, <laughs> tell the people how it started and how it went. Yeah, uh, driving along I-70 on my way to uh, to Pittsburgh uh, last weekend, I guess this would have been, uh, to meet my wife and child there to get the whole crew together to go to D.C. Uh, a couple days later, and uh, car just stopped working. Every every light on my dashboard, every like emergency light that can come on came on all at the same time. Uh, and like the cruise control shut off and I could still drive it, but like it wouldn't switch gears and like I couldn't drive up a hill and I was in, um, St. Clairsville. So I had to get towed from St. Clairsville to the Subaru dealership in Wheeling, West Virginia. A uh, lovely man towed me and my dog <laughs> to, to, to the Wheeling, <laughs> Wheeling Subaru, uh, left my car there, uh, had to figure out different travel arrangements. My car was there all week, uh, while I was in Washington, DC. Uh, cost me sixteen hundred dollars to get it fixed, and Ooh. then uh, you know picked it up and, and drove it back. So uh, the time in DC was was lovely. Me and the boy just kind of walked around for two days when my wife did a did a work conference. But uh, the the travel there and the money cost to get my car back uh, was not so great. So you know it was a real mixed bag. Bill, I'm not going to pretend to know what you believe in, but don't you think that perhaps some way this was a higher power telling you that you shouldn't ever go to pittsburgh i thought you were gonna say washington uh both both <laughs> well, that, yeah that wasn't the destination yeah i know but um, like if he just would have went straight to dc i think this would have been avoided uh you know as a proud philadelphian i have i have mixed feelings on pittsburgh um i think i mostly like it but also i i can't i can't avoid going there because you know now half of my family lives there so uh i have i have to there are repercussions to every decision we make. Yeah, you know, some of us, you know, some of us make make sacrifices and you know have to go places we don't want to go. Unfortunately, <laughs> what a glamorous couple weeks of vacation between Berm's trip to New York City and your trip to DC. Uh, who knows what could happen to me when we leave for Texas on Friday? I am a, a little bit concerned. Well, we're flying, here's the, so here's the, the difference. Scenario, those the difference, pretty bad. The difference is. You're actually taking a vacation. We were both de facto working just in a different city, but in a different capacity. I'm going to work. I'm not taking this one off. It's not like going to Disney. Who's that guy I'm supposed to go see there? I'm going to do it this time. I promise. Yeah. Well, too late. Oh, shoot. <laughs> in um, Lufkin? Is he in Lufkin? No, I'm not going to Lufkin. <laughs> okay. That one's out. Um, so big week. What do we have? Three recruiting camps, Berm, on tap this week? Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, yes. Okay. So we will, because of that, we will move uh, Roosters. Our visit there will be on Tuesday. So look for that. It'll be a day behind. And then we'll have a ton of uh, coverage, uh, camp coverage at OhioState.rivals.com. Uh, the whole crew will be out there. We'll try and, uh, Bill and I will maybe get up some information about some of the workouts. We'll see what we can figure out about the current team. Um, but Bill, I know that you, we talked about it last week. I know that you enjoy uh, heading out there to see the young guys working at camp. What is it that you uh, most like about it? 
Uh, I, I like the opportunity to talk with the coaching staff like in a far more relaxed setting than we typically get to. I know, I know you guys talked a little bit about that uh, last week. I did I did check in on the, on the podcast daily, even though I wasn't a part of it. Um, so I so much of what you guys talked about. Um, and then I like watching the lineman stuff, obviously, that used to be in the morning session that I guess is also happening simultaneously with everything else now. I, I like lineman one-on-ones. Like I don't I don't think they're the best barometer of where guys are because you're not wearing pads and like defensive linemen can get away with murder basically when you, when you do those things. Um, but I think it's a good indication of guys like compete level and stuff like that. So I enjoy watching that probably more than any other drill. Burn, what will you be watching this week? Do you, you have any idea what's uh, on tap? Uh, Monday, I'm expecting to see Jordan Davison, a five-star running back from California in the class of 2025. He should work out. He's on campus, arrived on Sunday with his family for a three-day visit. He's the number one ranked running back in the country in the class of 2025. So that's one I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and up Bill's alley is Carter Lowe, a, a highly ranked uh, four-star 2025 offensive lineman from Toledo, uh, Toledo Whitmer High School, who will camp. That one's going to be an Ohio State-Michigan battle by the, whenever it comes down to him making a decision. So those are two guys I'm really looking forward to. And there's a wide receiver in the class of 2026 coming up from Florida named Ephraim White, who Ohio State has already offered. He's got a potential. But with him and Chris Henry Jr., who was there last Thursday, um, if you're starting to project like way ahead at Brian Hartline's like next reel, like the class of just dudes, that 26 class has a couple with with White and Chris Henry that um, will be very interesting to watch. So there's a couple of guys that I'm just really focusing on. There's some young quarterbacks coming into campus again, but um, you know it, it's really to me about seeing the the Carter Lowe thing and the Jordan Davison because I think Ohio State's going to make a that recruitment with Davison more interesting than people are giving them credit for. If you missed uh, Berm's coverage on Thursday of the first camp, uh, of this, was it Thursday or Friday? I don't know. All the days run together. It's Thursday. Um, yeah, either way. Um, if you missed that at OhioState.Rivals.com, fantastic notebook that Berm put together on Friday. If you want to go read that and you're not a member already, you can use code DTE30 and join us over there. The other thing we were talking about on Friday, I'm going to lump these two things together. Uh, A, to get Bill's thoughts on the Big Ten scheduling unveiling for 24 and 25 and also uh, i think they go hand in hand with what gene smith talked about he was on the 11 warriors podcast uh, real pod wednesday on wednesday and he basically said i don't know what the big deal is about people <laughs> freaking out about michigan i'm paraphrasing a little uh, and maybe that's hyperbole of course everyone at ohio state wants to win the rivalry game they've not given up on it but i think that some of the perspective that's coming from Gene Smith there, and we've heard from other people this offseason, like you can't necessarily put all of your eggs into that one basket anymore because that didn't really have any Im impact on whether Ohio State could or couldn't win a national championship, which they very nearly did. And so Gene Smith, sort of the kicker there with that interview, was like he wants to win the biggie. And that, in his view, is more geared towards the national championship than the game. I think I mean, that's, that's true, right? Like, yeah, that's true. We want to win the national championship, whatever, like, however, however you get there, you want to win the national championship. I think maybe what perhaps was misconstrued in there is, is, is maybe people heard like mission game doesn't matter anymore. I, I don't think that's what he meant. At least I would hope that's not what he meant. It still very much matters. Like rivalry games still matter. I guess like, you know, it's not 1973 anymore and, and the, the state of play has changed and, and, 
what mattered the most back then does not matter as much now in, in terms of being a roadblock to, to bigger goals. But like Ohio State fans wake up in the morning and they want to beat Michigan. And like that, I, I hope that never changes. And, and I hope that people never tell Ohio State fans that that should change. Um, I think we have to process that game differently moving forward, but it doesn't mean it should be any less meaningful to you. So um, I, I, I don't know how to take that. I, I if, if it if it's just like, let's be honest about the situation now and understand that like the, the main thing is to win the national championship and beating Michigan is no longer a, re- a requirement to do that. Fair. True. Like, obviously if it's like that game doesn't matter anymore, I don't, I disagree with that. Cause I think it, will, it, it was and should always, it has always and should always matter. Yeah. And the reality is I, I think some of the conversation comes down to, there's a very real chance you're going to have to play Michigan twice in a lot of these seasons. So, uh, or three times, or three times. So, beating them once in the regular season may not carry the the gravitas that it did before, because in in a lot of cases you may have to play them again a week later. So, um, you're going to need to be able to put all those things into the proper perspective and realize that each one of them matters, but they may not matter all as much as they always did traditionally. And um, again, no one likes to hear that because it, you don't want to take away any value from the rivalry. Um, but if you look at like Duke and North Carolina in basketball, they play each other three, four times a year now, and every game is still chaos and every game is still uh, incredible and, and must watch TV. Even if you're not a, a really big college basketball fan, that game is is always super fun uh, and it always matters. And you can always feel it in, in the environments at, at Cameron Indoor or, um, you know, at Chapel Hill. So um, it, it, whatever happens from here, Gene Smith probably needs to understand that Buckeyes fans aren't going to take that sort of conversation like happily. They're not going to hear that and be like, you know what? He's right. This game doesn't matter um, <laughs> because you don't want to hear that from the guy in charge of the athletic department. But, um, you know, Gene is, is a smart guy. He understands what he's saying. But I, I just think sometimes maybe someone in his position probably just shouldn't say it. I think there's also it ties into there's that element and I'm not tell I I want to be careful about how I say this. Anyone who feels that strongly about the rivalry, I get it and you should never let anyone else change your mind. If that's what's important to you, I have no issue with that and I'm not here to say you should care about it less. Um the expectations inside the program are to win a national championship. Part of that that has always included winning gold pants and winning the rivalry. But and they're not taking down the countdown clock. They're not getting rid of team up north periods. All those things are still a fabric and a backbone of the program. I'm only saying that the way college football has changed, which has negatively impacted the value of rivalry games, specifically the one that I think is the best, which is Ohio State Michigan. Because you have these broadcast deals and that we have to do things that feel dirty, like talking about college football games as inventory for CBS, Fox, uh, ABC, ESPN, uh, you know, everybody down the line that's invested in college football. Like, I, I don't like doing that. The only reason that I bring up like, hey, well, maybe this is why the goals have shifted or the expectation or some of the importance in a postseason evaluation season has changed is because like college football has diminished the importance of a regular season game when it used to be the last one and you were guaranteed nothing beyond that when Ohio State and Michigan played, as you said, Bill, in 1973. Somebody who grew up on that, I'm sure that they hate that this is even a conversation now, that you you could say that any other game is more important 
than playing and winning that one. And I certainly understand that, but that's also the case for 73, 83, 93, 2003. The game has changed so dramatically. That part does suck. Like, And there's going to have to be some sort of reckoning at college football because, as, as Berman and I talked about with these schedules, the tradition is what made this sport so popular, and then all the money is wiping away what made it great in the first place. Yeah, I think... <sighs> I think it Gene's comments raise an interesting discussion about uh, I, I guess for lack of a better word, like job security for the head coach at Ohio State, right? Like John Cooper was fired because he couldn't be Michigan. And I think if college football were still structured the same way now as it was then, that would be the game that you would use. Uh, you, you disagree with me, Burn? He was two ten and one against Michigan. Um, <laughs> if if any head coach at Ohio State goes two ten and one over a 13-year period against Michigan. Regardless, I don't care. uh, Even if they win a national championship in that time, and Cooper could have won a couple of them uh, had he not lost to Michigan, I don't think anyone's going to hold on to a coach that's 2-10-1, even if they're making the playoffs as the 9 or 10 seed. I'm not saying whether or not I think they should, but I I, kind of think they would. I think I think I I suppose you could make the argument for it, and I can understand it. I just I don't I think the the sickness that would be festering inside of the fan base's stomach. Yeah. Would make Bur- that coach decide to leave before he <laughs> Berm is about to puke right now thinking yeah, about that. The but, John but that's, Cooper that's era, the point, though, isn't it? Was isn't the worst the- time of my life. Okay, but isn't that the point? Of like of like what we're I'm, and I'm not trying to to make Berm uh, vomit on YouTube here, but but like Ryan Day doesn't beat Michigan for the next four years and wins two national championships. Very probably possible. not getting fired. Yeah, he's probably not, not going to get fired. fired. <laughs> you build a statue for that. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting thought exercise. <laughs> I guess I just I just don't think that I don't think that will happen. <laughs> so uh, because I think what it is we saw, unlikely. I think it is I think unlikely, because yeah. and I, I think it's unlikely for a couple of reasons. Number one, there will come a time when voters and national media starts to change the way they view Ohio State if they can't beat Michigan, uh, and and you will start to see them be given less um, leeway when it comes to their ranking and that kind of stuff. Number two, we watched for four weeks last uh, December as the fan base and a good portion of the people who are directly related to the program after the loss to Michigan lamented the fact that they even made the playoff and like, I don't even know why we're in this. And it took everything to muster up the energy to induce, to even put together the game plan that they had against Georgia and and come out swinging the way they did. And I think at some point you would lose the ability to keep bouncing back like that. If you lost another four straight or something to Michigan, just, I mean, again, we're, we're playing a hypothetical game here, so it's sort of irrelevant, but um, the mindset that you have to have, to compete for a national championship after losing to your rival every year, year in, year out. Like, I don't think that you'd be able to handle it as a program. I think people would be like, ah, screw this. I'm out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I do. I do think that's, that is correct. At least that would be my assumption too, but I do. I think the, the, the gravity of that game, I think has changed in, in this context. Like if you're going to, if you're going to do what Ohio State did last year, lose to Michigan and then come a 50-yard field goal away from winning a playoff game and then everyone assumes you would have won the national championship that year. Like, if you just keep doing that, I don't know. I think it makes it hard to part with coaches if you keep doing that um, because 
then then I guess yeah, ideally like, you want to do both, right? You want to beat Michigan, anyone win a national title. But like, say the new guy comes in and like all he does is beat Michigan and does nothing else. Like, is that better? Like, I I have no idea. I think the I don't I don't think the notion that winning a national championship is more important is inherently wrong. It's probably it's probably right. Um, and the dynamics are changing with with the with the Michigan game. Like, whether you like it or not, I I personally don't like it. Um, I I wish it held held its standing that it's had forever. Um, but there's not really anything we can do about that. And I think we all need to kind of, if anyone else is like feeling the way that I am, like conflicted about that, I think we all kind of need to come around to the idea that, you know, that game is not necessarily the end all be all right now when it comes to evaluating people and whether or not they're doing a good enough job. Well, that's why I think, like, I think it's just a matter of Gene is not, people are not going to want to hear that from Gene. And I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. And I I actually think if we were to go back in time or if, if we fast forward 20 years from now, one way or the other, and you look at the Urban Meyer era at Ohio State, he beat Michigan those seven straight times, but other than the national championship in 2014, like objectively the urban Meyer seven year stretch was not nearly as good as I think people remember it to be. And I think it's viewed that way because they beat Michigan and and people gloss over the 31 to nothing loss to Clemson or the Purdue game or the Iowa game or uh, any other embarrassments that happened in the program in that time, like uh, there is actually a case to be made that they completely, we've talked about this before, like entirely underachieved in those seven years under Urban Meyer, considering the NFL draft Im- impact and success they had, considering um, the seven wins against Michigan, considering the playoff bursts they had, like uh, would people view that era different if they won three national championships, but only finished four and three against Michigan? I, I don't know. Like uh, it, it's a, it's a, a thought exercise that I don't think anyone wants to really partake in. Plus not all, not all seven of those wins were against like uh very, very good Michigan teams. So uh, that's a, that sounds like a different show entirely. Um, Bill, Ohio state, Penn state, not being a permanent flex premier pro plus uh, protected game. Uh, Berm and I shared our thoughts on that seemed a little bit, surprising but uh they're unrivaled so i guess that's how it goes yeah like it's not a historical rivalry right it doesn't doesn't go back decades and decades and decades like ohio state michigan does but like they played every year right that the penn state has been in the big 10 um it's gonna be weird when they don't play i was i i would be lying if i said i wasn't at least a little bit bummed when i saw that that wasn't going to be an every year thing i guess the way that they couched it was maybe they can bring it back as an every year thing it's kind of a two-year thing and then we'll see where it goes um i was i was hoping and, and i would have guessed that that game would have been protected um i guess for competitive balance reasons it makes sense why you wouldn't want to do that um and like i, I think i might have texted you or, or messaged both of you guys on slack after like the, I'm, I'm mostly glad they didn't try to like shoehorn a bs rivalry game in for ohio state um if it's just ohio state michigan protected obviously protect that that's that's fine um and I guess as long as Ohio State and Penn State play more often than not, then, then I'm okay with that. But um, it'll be a little weird to not have them play every year. Are you suggesting that the Illibuck is not a real rivalry? <laughs> um, no, even that, I would have been like, okay, they have at least they have a trophy. Um, but like, if they would have made, I don't know, like Ohio State play Indiana every year because Indiana needed another protected rival besides Purdue, like that, that would have like really ticked me off. So thankfully, they didn't do that. <laughs> The other good news is that we only, you know, we cut down on the amount of times that we have to travel to Happy Valley. Like once every four years is way better to me to go visit that press box than once every other year. So that is true. 
praise be to the Big Ten scheduling gods for that. They are allegedly uh, building a new one sometime yeah. in the near future. I'll believe it when I see it, but yeah. that is that is the word. My sources in State College tell me, uh, and my source is Audrey Snyder. They tell me that uh, they're going to be building a new press box there someday soon. When they do that in 2055, I hope <laughs> that I'm no longer covering college football. I mean, that, by the time by the time that happens, Baby Gronk will be playing for the Knicks. <laughs> you know, looking forward to that. I'd did be, you not uh, get an eval on Baby Gronk last week, Berm? He did not show up. Oh, wow. wow. Baby Gronk afraid of competition? He lied to Ari Wasserman of The Athletic? He must Not have, Baby yeah. Gronk. Baby Gronk's representative. His handler. His father. Yeah. He was but too busy I, DMing every sports writer in America to make the trip to Columbus. I'm not going to lie. I was hoping that he would show up. I thought it'd be a fun, a fun side story to camp, uh, you know, camp opening up. Uh, it's better than like when Big Ten Network shows up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least that is something interesting. And we don't have to watch as people who don't cover the team get access that we never get. <laughs> hey, when That'd they cool. come, we get to watch practice now. That's right. Now. It's a new day. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So that's the week ahead. Uh, three recruiting camps. Bill being back. Uh, Roosters on Tuesday. What am I missing, Berm? Um, should have, I hope, uh, some positive uh, developments in the recruiting front just after a busy weekend. 15 official visitors. Um, I certainly, I put in a couple future casts on, on Sunday for onrivals.com um, for Jalen McLean, safety from New Jersey, uh, Marquise Lightfoot, borderline five-star defensive end from Chicago. Um, it, it, it was a really good weekend for Ohio State. Big uh, weekend coming up again with another big group of official visitors, but um, you should start to see the recruiting um, valve start to reopen and, and see some positive news coming down the pike. All right. Uh, Burn will stay busy as the Buckeyes do on the recruiting trail in June. All that coverage at OhioState.Rivals.com, and we will talk about it here on the podcast. Thanks for starting your Monday with us. We hope you have a great week. For Bill and Burham, I'm Austin. We will talk to you later.